0: Hey, guys. Today, I sat down and talked to Casey Krause. Casey's obsession or or passion, if you want to call it, would be living off-grid. Him and his wife, Beth, and their son moved up here about a year and a half ago, uh, right before last winter. And they're living off-grid. That's something they've wanted to do for a while, or actually they have done in the past. But this is a whole new challenge with the UP winters that we have here. So, this is a fun one. I really enjoyed talking to Casey about this and hearing some of the experiences that he's gone through and what it was like to move to the UP. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Casey, thanks for coming in today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Logan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Here to talk about an array of things, I guess what I'm mainly interested in is you moved up here to the UP. How long ago was it? What give me the time frame.
1: Uh, so it would have been about, uh, 15 months ago on okay. um, the fall of last year. Okay. When we got here. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we got up here and, uh, basically, you know, you helped us with, uh, finding a, uh, we found a little log cabin on a deer camp basically. Mm-hmm. And we've just been living there ever since.
0: Right. So the idea, again, what we're going to dive into is you guys are living off the grid. Of course, you've got vehicles, you've got cell phones, you have a power that way, but you've got no power in the cabin. Right. You're using lights. uh, You've got a hand pump well. Yeah. So really unconventional, even though I think it's super neat, but not many people in today's day and age would live off the grid. So I think it's super cool. We will dive into that, but before we do, I guess what I'm curious is how did you get to that point? What were the steps before then? Mm-hmm. Is it something that you stood on for a really long time and eventually you convinced your wife, said, hey, let's try this? Or what What were the events that led up to you moving up here and saying we're going to live in this off-the-grid hunting camp?
1: Well, um, I think just different life experiences kind of shaped my idea of that was the way I would want to live. Um, different things. I tell you, uh, one part of it was um, – I've done some, I guess you'd call it handyman work Mm -hmm. over the years, doing property maintenance, things like that. Um, And I'm not the world's best carpenter by any means, you know, Um, but I would just do um, pretty general uh, maintenance and handyman type stuff. Um, And part of that was I began to see many of the things we have um, are – you're reliant on a lot of the things in your house, you're reliant on somebody else Mm -hmm. to fix them, to provide them. Um, and I just found myself as a handyman fixing, you know, anything from toilets, doorknobs, you know, sinks, all the things that can go wrong in a house, you know? And I just, I would repeatedly go back to the same properties, replacing the same thing sometimes. Um, and it just led me to think if if I could just simplify my own life, because um, I can't fix a dishwasher, mm-hmm. you know, there's only, you know, my skills go only so far. So I guess I just, it, it was a desire to be self-reliant and uh, not rely on, um, just be as self-reliant as I can. T- take things to a simple level that me with my simple skills, I can still get by Mm-hmm. um, without, um, uh, buying a lot of extra outside equipment. Um, and I'm still, I mean, I, I am still, I feel like I'm still at the beginning almost of my journey okay. getting into it. Um, cause I'm still learning so much about all this, the, uh, trying to live without a lot of the traditional things, you know, the conventional things.
0: Right. Right. At what point or what were you doing when that idea? came into your head or was it very gradual? Was it overnight? Were you doing something and you're, you're just getting getting frustrated and said, you know, this is it. I need to figure out a different way. Or is this something that just slowly, slowly crept into your, your being?
1: It slowly crept in, I think. Um, but there were, there were moments, there were like lightning bolt moments where I, where, um, you know, an idea would come to me. This is the way we need to be living, you know? Um, so again, just different experiences. Um, my handyman work just, I really would get frustrated with, um, a lot of the, uh, just the way things in our homes work. Mm-hmm. I just thought I couldn't engineer them better, but I, I thought some, maybe somebody should make them just simpler and sturdier. Um, I also did a lot of farm work. Okay. Um, and working on, um, my main experience was on uh, vegetable farms, um, and, We would grow, um, you know, a pretty good variety of things. But I just saw that uh, what goes into growing food, I guess, Mm -hmm. really started the wheels turning in my mind. Um, I'd always had an interest of kind of trying to live off-grid and homestead, I guess, is what a lot of people would call what we do. Um, And working on the farms, I just got an idea for what it takes to grow, uh, crops, you know? And, um, so I, I think it was always kind of an idea that was very broad, how I'd want to live. And then over different, uh, life experiences, I kind of narrowed it down a little bit to, Mm -hmm. um, this is what I thought would work. Um, this is what I thought wouldn't. Um, but mainly I think, uh, a big part of it was I sought freedom. I thought maybe if I could live this way in a simple way without needing lots of money, maybe I could be free from, uh, just jobs where I didn't want to spend my time, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I think a lot of people could relate to that. You know, maybe they have a job they, they don't really like, or, uh, you know, it just, they'd rather spend their time elsewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, and it's, that was part of it for me is I had this idea that um, I would just rather spend my time, you know, growing my own food, taking care of my animals, you know, being out in nature, than uh, maybe just doing another job where, that I didn't really enjoy being at, you right.
0: know? Right. And again, we'll, we'll dive into the actual story, which
1: I'm excited to
0: talk about. Yeah. But I'm really excited also, again, in the, with this podcast some of the the mindsets or the psychology behind it of yeah what what inspires you to get to that point but that is a neat point of <clears throat> that you hear that saying it's probably cliche of a lot of people work jobs they don't like to buy houses and cars they don't care about to impress people they don't care about yeah you know if you can remove a lot of that materialism for your life was that a driving was that part of it I mean uh,
1: absolutely yeah uh definitely I just felt that uh those kind of things didn't have a ton of value to me. Um, I I guess my, my time just became so valuable, you know, like I just wanted to, um, and having my son also was a big factor because I thought I want to be able to, uh, spend time with him and try to teach him these things. Mm -hmm. And then I guess, I thought maybe if he, I've always worked, you know, I've had different jobs that I didn't enjoy. Mm -hmm. Lots of people have. right? And I thought maybe if I teach him, if I at least attempt to teach him how to, how to live off the land a little bit better, maybe he won't have to spend so much time at something he doesn't like to do, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, or maybe he will never do this stuff, um, but he'll have it in his back pocket. For sure. You know? I guess that's part, that was part of the psychology behind it. The idea behind it was not only, um, I wanted to be able to be just self-sufficient as much as I could. Um, but, but maybe pass it on to him, Mm -hmm. you know, for sure. So you grew up in Nebraska, right? I grew up in Eastern Nebraska. Yes.
0: Okay. So definitely a different world than here. Were -hmm. there things in your childhood Uh, again, you, you, you mentioned you worked on farms and stuff like that. Like even at a young age, were you, did you have inspiration to pull from to get towards this
1: type of a lifestyle? You know, my, um, I really love being outside. I think you do too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think I figured that out at a young age. I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up um, on the edge of town and then a farm was behind our house. Okay. It was about uh, 300 acres of corn and soy. And, uh, the farmer was a really nice guy and I would always be out there, uh, when the, after the crops were harvested in the fall and through the winter, I would be out there, you know, with my BB gun as a little kid and with my brother, my friends. And to, that 300 acres was like, at that point to us seemed like it could have been a thousand acres mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, like the wild west. Yeah. Right. And that's what we pretended, you know? And, uh, I mean, town was right there, but to us, it was just freedom and we had so much fun outside. And I think that was, that was very influential and just, I knew that being outside was good for you and then it was just fun and it's, and it's what I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving forward from there, um, I've spent a lot of time. I, I lived in uh, in and around Omaha, Nebraska, um, and then I spent a lot of time in Fremont, Nebraska, which is a smaller town um, northwest of Omaha, mm-hmm. and that's where my family's from. Um, and most of my childhood growing up was in town. Okay. Honestly, yeah, I didn't do a ton of farm work growing up. Okay, um, my family has a history of being farmers, but really nobody was on the farm. It had been sold, um, when I was a kid. So really didn't spend a ton of time on the farm growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I was mostly in town and, um, probably some of my first, um, experiences of really, uh, kind of like being out in the woods, I would say uh came from my time when i lived in northern california okay um we we lived uh, in santa cruz county uh, which is uh, uh, on the north side of the monterey bay okay and there are redwood forests there and uh we, we moved out there um i played uh, football at a junior college out there hmm. and ended up coaching um, after i was done playing cool that's what brought us uh, there, huh, I didn't know that. and, uh, so rent is high up there, right yeah. out there, I should say. And, uh, we ended up living a lot of different places, some in, uh, some campers out in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, finally we lived in a camper in a trailer park that was next to a 10,000 acre, uh, state park, redwood forest. Okay. Um, very mountainous, uh, right on the coast right there in the Monterey Bay. Yeah. And it was just really cool. And you've got, uh, I know you like mule deer, really healthy mule deer population in there. Mm -hmm. Um, you got mountain lions, uh, you know, coyotes are in there. Not, not as many black bears as out here. Um, but you know, the occasional black bear, um, and just hiking tons of trails in there. And I would just hike my dogs through there every day. And I, um, it was kind of like almost a, like a religious thing of just going every day. It's such a, it's just such a great forest. And I mean, it's such a uh, cool ecosystem in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Tons of ferns on the ground. And just basically you come out, you come in from the sun and you come into the redwood forest and it's always shady and cool. Yeah. And so it's like, it's almost like going into a different world. Yeah. And um, just spent, just fell in love with the forest because being from Nebraska, there aren't a lot of trees, you know, and, uh, just fell in love with the, with the trees in the forest and, um, you know, spent as much time as I could in there. Um, so I suppose that was another point, you know, that really influenced me is how do I, how could I live out here and survive out here, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so, you know, I was working as a coach Any any uh, time I had I would be either down at the water Or in the uh, in the woods And, uh, you know, Beth was there with me Right um, And she loved it too
0: Yep My wife and I just did a big loop out west Yeah uh, And we've seen all the grand places The, uh, you know, again All these huge parks and towering this and that Whatever else The Redwoods was my biggest surprise Yeah It was unbelievable Yeah like I'm picturing you go to up north here in the Q and you see Estevant pines and you like three guys can hug around them. Right. You go to these redwoods and I'm sure we are in the same park or, or one of the same parks that you've been in there. Unbelievable. I mean, like I swear like 40 guys couldn't wrap their arms around this street. Maybe that's an extreme, but it's just so big, like un- uncomprehendable, yeah. just huge. Um, but yeah, that, so that was, that was unbelievable. But Beth was with you and she,
1: she's always enjoyed the outdoors as well. She loves it too. Um, and it wouldn't work if we if we didn't both love it, you know, love yeah. being outside and um, and so we in our time there we were out in uh, California in Northern California for about seven years, mm-hmm. um, and in that time we were kind of creative with our housing, mm-hmm. like I was saying, I was kind of talking about our campers earlier. So we lived several places where we were off the grid, okay, um, out in the woods and. So that was kind of our first um, experience with just trying to live that way without traditional utilities and electricity and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'll tell you, Logan. I mean, being up here and the climate's so mild out there. Okay. You know, so that that's that's just a whole different world. Right. Um, so so it's a good place to try it out. Yeah. Because you know, if you as you're learning. There's not a severe winter you have to deal with, you yeah. know?
0: Right. Yeah. Up here, which again, we'll get into, but it was really the big leagues from a, uh, yeah. like to make it through the winter kind yeah. of standpoint, it's, yeah, it's tough for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Beth was into the outdoors, but it, those first experiences of you guys living off the grid, was that circumstance or was that something you were pursuing? I know you said rent was tough, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you a little bit forced into it? And I was like, Hey, we'll just make do. Or is it like, Hey, let's go try this out. This is cool.
1: It was, it was definitely in the circumstances. Okay. I don't think, I think, um, you know, if, uh, if we had a little more money, we probably just would have had a nicer place, but we were, you know, just kind of scraping by with, you know, jobs and, and it is expensive out there. Yeah. At one point, um, my first year coaching football, we found ourselves, uh, without a place to live. Mm-hmm. And so we spent, we went back and forth, uh, camping in the woods in a tent. To uh, when the rainy season came, we would go, we would uh, sleep in the coaches off in the football offices. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it wasn't that it, it wasn't that bad. It's a beautiful area. Very nice weather. You know, we could shower at the college that I was working at. Yeah. Um, Beth was working on a at a, a strawberry farm okay. at this point, picking strawberries, basically. And uh, so it was just kind of circumstance, really that we needed a place to live uh and didn't have a ton of money so we were just creative with you know camping sleeping in the office and then I mean we just when we finally got a little camper of our own in our own space it it really felt like I mean it it wasn't much but it it felt like something you know yeah um <clears throat> and we'll dive into
0: shortly again i keep saying we'll get dive into the experience of coming up here and what where that started from but yeah circumstance that got you into it uh-huh. did you feel like that was meant to be like you were meant to experience that or was that just inevitable it was going to happen i'm just curious like mm-hmm. like you said if you had money you could have been in a nice place and life could have taken you down a different path yeah do you look at it that or how do you look at those experiences those first off the grid experiences
1: well that's a good question um, maybe it was. I don't know. I, I, Logan, I don't know how things like that work. I don't know if there's fate. Um, I think there very well could be. I, I just don't know. But it was definitely, um, those experiences I, I think led us just down the road to where we go. Mm-hmm. And if we did have a little more money for whatever reason. Um, I think there's a good chance maybe we we don't end up living like this. Yeah. Um, just because it wasn't always easy, but I think our experience with these different living situations was a positive one. Yeah. Being, living in the woods, you know, was a positive one. Um, having to be a little bit cre- creative with our housing was a, it was tough at times, yeah. but, I think it was a positive experience. Um, I think maybe uh, there's a balance. Maybe I'm just kind of going on a weird tangent here. go ahead. But there's a balance between, I think people need some degree of struggle. Sure. If life's too easy, I think people get bored. And I think there's all kinds of problems that come out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think... Uh, different people find it in different ways different life experiences but I think we both enjoyed the process of figuring that out you know Mm -hmm. and we've enjoyed the process of figuring out up here Um, but there was definitely um, that's what led us to this and it would have been a lot easier at times if life was you know uh, with a little more money I think but we found enjoyment and fun in figuring out life on our budget out mm-hmm. there, you know,
0: for sure. Um, Thinking about that struggle portion. Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like I know what you're
0: saying. And I've probably heard people talk about as is you're the healthiest mentally, physically when you have struggle and that today's day and age, you'd really say is the, the least amount of struggle that we've ever had as a, as a race really. Right. Uh, or as, as you know, yeah, just, so it's just totally there's nothing there. I mean, across the world there I mean, of course there are people in certain situations without it, but really very, very easy living and that can lead to a lot of what you see today with again mental health, yeah, concerns, anxiety, stuff like that. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're alluding to? That if you have struggle that it's it's easier to stay on top of things like that? I think
1: I, I am. But I wanna I wanna also say there's a balance. I think there's and everyone is different, but I think there's, there's a sweet spot. There's a zone in the middle where you have enough challenges to keep yourself interested and mm-hmm. keep yourself sharp, you know? Right. But too much can be overwhelming as well. Yeah. You know, and I've experienced that too. And I think lots of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a life that's too easy too handed to you um, and, and that can mean different things physically, mentally, you don't have to work, you mm-hmm. know, Uh, There's different things to different people, but then being overwhelmed and just being, um, just bogged down with so much work and so much, uh, responsibility and pressure, I think is also very, it's not a, not good. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think there's a sweet spot in the middle where you have some pressure on you, you have to struggle and you have to try, um, and you have challenges that you need to overcome. Right without being overwhelmed without being underwhelmed and then I think happiness a, a degree of happiness in life comes from succeeding out of those struggles mm-hmm. you know is finding success in those struggles and then really just enjoying the struggle enjoying the process because you know the, the end product I can't tell you how many times Logan I've thought if I could just have this if I could just accomplish this then my life is set mm-hmm and I, and I work at it and it's kind of a struggle and then I get there and I, and it's great, but then life goes on. Right. What's the next, you know, so I know wiser people than I say this much, you know, more eloquently, but I think if you can enjoy the process of whatever you do, that's about as good as it gets. Right. I, I really do. I, I think if you can enjoy whatever you, you know, your your you're line of work is your way of life is the successes are are really fun but i mean 95 percent of your life more a little bit less are going to just be those middle times where you're kind of working towards your goals you Mm -hmm. know and the milestones are great when you get to them but life goes on after them you got to get up the next day and you know and do and Do something else and keep going you know so if Mm -hmm. you can enjoy that day-to-day process i don't know that's i know this is kind of another tangent but that's part of it for me is uh just just enjoying that you know Just enjoying what you do and enjoying the struggle and
0: yeah so i sent out a monthly newsletter a real estate newsletter okay and my quote this month i'm not gonna get it word for word but something to the extreme of Everybody wants to stand on top of the mountain. Yeah. They don't realize that the magic happens while you're climbing the mountain. So, I mean, it's the same thing. It's, yeah, the, the process is where the essence of life is.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's dive into the story of the UP. Okay. Uh, yeah. At one point you told me, but let's go through. How did you even find it? It was kind of a progression, right? You started looking into places down in Illinois or Indiana or lower Michigan and just worked your way up. What was that like?
1: Yeah. So, uh, after our time in California, we moved back to Nebraska um, to kind of help out with um, some family members and just be closer to family. And uh, so, basically, um, we're living there, and we know we want to do this. Mm -hmm. We know we want to get, like, a farm, a homestead. Um, We probably can't afford it in Nebraska. It becomes pretty clear. Right. So, um, we buy... Uh, we bought an, an old uh, abandoned house in Nebraska on two acres. Okay. Um, got a loan and bought it really, really pretty cheap. And, um, it was basically, uh, two acres next to a couple farms that, um, someone had owned, a woman had owned it and she was what you might call a hoarder. Okay. And she didn't live there. Um, But she filled it with all their stuff Hmm. and it was basically left to left unmaintained, totally unmaintained for about probably about between 15 and 20 years. And so the yard got out of hand um, and it basically filled up with poison ivy Hmm. and fast grow uh, back in Nebraska. You got uh, cottonwood trees and mulberry trees that grow really fast when when they're allowed to uh, it was near a river and, um, poison ivy grew all over and all up those, and the house kind of fell into disrepair mm-hmm. and people were breaking in and, you know, like doing drugs and stuff in there, mm-hmm. which happens in, you know, vacant houses anywhere. Right. And so, uh, we, I would go by this house. I ride my bike by it on the way to work on the way to down to to the river some days And, um, I thought, man, maybe if that place ever came for sale, that'd be cool to buy it and fix it up. Um, it did come for sale. We got it. And over the course of probably the better part of six years, we cleaned it up, fixed it up. And we did a lot of homesteading kind of stuff on that little two acres, Mm. keep kept chickens, big garden. Um, all this time I'm, I'm doing handyman work, working on farms. Um, but we knew we wanted to do this. We knew, uh, we wanted to find land somewhere. So we thought about going back to California, such a nice mild climate out there. Um, it's just, it's expensive out there. And the affordable land was, it was really out there from uh, a long ways from towns. We looked all over the country. Um, there, there really aren't too many states I didn't look in. I tried to just be really open-minded about, is there a place affordability was one of the main things yeah um and then can we is can we actually live off the land in this place and so i'm looking around i mean you name it uh, and uh, name a state and i probably looked at some properties and uh the the farmer i worked for he did about five acres of asparagus and he would always talk about how great the climate of uh, downstate Michigan mm-hmm. is for growing asparagus There are pockets where uh, next to the lakes um, where it's super mild for how far north it is mm-hmm. in the lower uh, lower Michigan and so you know that kind of always stuck with me so one day I thought I've never really thought about Michigan but um, it's it sounds like there's some good ground there and and you know some farming could be done so I started looking at first in downstate Michigan. Um, and then I think a couple UP properties got mixed in there somehow hmm. on the website I was on. And I knew nothing about the UP. Um, I, I had never been here. Um, I, I really knew almost nothing other than friends of mine who friends of mine in Nebraska who had a family history of Michigan, basically said, it's basically like the wild west up there in in some ways it's, it's like going out West, you know, to to like Wyoming or Idaho Montana almost. Um, and how there's so much forested land uninhabited land. Um, and they said, it's really cold. Mm -hmm. And I said, (laughs) and that's all I knew. But these properties I saw were very, uh, they were really caught my attention Um, so I started looking at those and kind of went down that rabbit hole and, uh, probably about three years ago, we took a camping trip first to uh, Marquette County up here. Yep. And, um, I just was sold right away. I mean, I just fell in love with this whole area right away. Um, and you know, probably a lot of, a lot of your listeners maybe live here, but if, if, if they don't, I mean, it is incredible up here. It just is. The I mean the lake itself is amazing. You know, it's just it's just so big, and having lived next to, on the Pacific Ocean, I prefer Lake Superior because there aren't sharks and jellyfish in it. Mm-hmm. It's fresh water. It's so it's crystal clear almost always. You know, it's just an incredible. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir for right. a lot of people listening to this probably, but yep. if you have listeners that aren't up here haven't been up here. I mean, it's just incredible. The landscape is incredible. The forests, um, rivers. It's just, I mean, I was blown away. It's so different than Nebraska. Yeah. You know, and it reminds me of like Colorado, California places out West more than it does other parts of the Midwest. I've been to. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just loved it. Um, and, uh, I mean, Beth does not like the winter time, so she loved California. It took a lot of convincing. I, I love the wintertime, the snow and skiing and playing in the snow and stuff. It took a lot of convincing to convince her that it's going to be good living here. Yep. Um, she loved the idea of being up here in the summer and spring and fall. She was not sold on the winters. Um. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the story of how we, um, you know, heard about the UP, um, that, that first camping trip up here, I was sold, you yeah. know, I just was, this is, this is it for us. And and now I just had to figure it out how to make it work. Um, convince Beth. So, you know, I guess that's kind of where, that's what led us up here. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, with that. So you were sold right away. Yeah. That was exciting. You convinced yeah. Beth the place we looked at and then you ended up buying, I want to get into that story, but was that the first place we looked at? I can't remember. Was that the one and only place?
1: We looked at that place up by gay. Okay. There's that uh, hunting camp up by, Oh, sure. Yeah. Up by gay that you showed us. I think that was the first time we met.
0: That's how we got connected. Yeah. You called on one of my listings. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: And, uh, didn't really think that was the right one. And then I think this was the next place we looked at. Right. Was the, was the place we bought that 40 acres. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. That was, that was, that's such a neat area too. Uh, yeah. We feel lucky to be there. Um, but it was, that was kind of a leap of faith. I mean, you were there and you kind of saw how, I mean, we were pretty, we were very new to this area. Didn't know anybody, mm-hmm. didn't really know what we were doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, It's been great. Yeah. We're we're so glad. We're, we're glad there's been a lot of like getting back to the struggle. It's been a lot of struggle and stuff, but, uh, I'm so glad to be up here. And after I suppose, you know, over a year into it, um, and it's been, it's been great. Yeah. It's been. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember it was pretty neat when we went, looked at that hunting camp. Yeah. I'm looking at you guys like, Hey, are you, are you sure? You know, like this is your first time coming up here. You're got to off the grid hunting camp. You're looking off into this forest saying like, you're going to claim this and make this your own. Yeah. It felt like you guys just had a real, like, Hey, we'll take it as it comes and we'll figure it out mentality. And it was, you didn't, you didn't hesitate for long.
1: No. Yeah. Um, I, I knew kind of right away, um, that, that I thought we should get that place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Again, like, it was kind of the same thing. Beth was kind of hesitant a little bit, like, oh, maybe we should look around at some more places. And, I, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, you just have a feeling sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I just had a good feeling about it. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. But, um, you know, I'm glad I'm glad we uh, got that place. And we couldn't have done it without you, Logan. That was, I mean, you helped us out so much. Yeah, yeah, it was neat to see it happen. So when
0: you decided that you were going to purchase this place, you said Beth was a little bit hesitant. Once you guys agreed to go say, let's do this, were you just fired up? What was that? What was that like to move up here? Was there a lot of apprehension?
1: Oh man, I was so excited to get up here. Um, because I mean, this has been my, this has been my dream for, for years, you know, is to finally get a place. And I just couldn't wait to get up here to the UP and just, um, just get started um at the time uh we we'd fixed up our house in nebraska and uh sold it and during that during the in-between period we lived at beth's family farm in uh, western iowa okay so we're so that summer it, it was the summertime and uh we're living on the farm um and just working there uh, There's a There was a lot to do there, you know, and, uh, we had all our chickens there with us and we're, we're, the farm had, uh, it was a great place to start, uh, kind of forcing ourselves to live off the grid. Mm -hmm. I would say it was a great, like, uh, it was a great warm up and a great place where we could, we brought our camper to the farm. Um, there was no plumbing in the house. The farmhouse had, uh, that the the winter before the pipes froze and burst. So the plumbing was, um, out at the, in the farmhouse. Uh, we did have electricity there. So we had our camper plugged in. Um, but so we were living there and, uh, just South of Sioux city, Iowa. Um, and it was a great way to, um, just kind of practice skills that I thought I might need up here. And, um, use it as kind of our home base to figure out where we're gonna land eventually mm-hmm. more permanently what were those so you moved
0: up here then yeah y- you had some prep you had some warm up then you moved yeah. up here yeah what was that initial experience like when you when you had moved up here what was that
1: man I, I was just so happy it was in September uh, the weather was beautiful um so we were really I mean it just that that first week was just so much fun to be up here we were going down to the lake all the time. And, uh, then we had a real rude awakening. We, so you might remember this, but there was a bald faced hornet's nest Mm -hmm. under the light of the cat front, right on top of the front door of the cabin.
0: I got stung three times the first time I went there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So we don't have those back in Nebraska. Right. And, uh, my experience back there was you got to get rid of like, we have like wasp nests and that's a whole different uh, wasps and hornets are totally different you know so I would just brush them away with like a broom or something and they don't really swarm on you and attack like these hornets up here Yep. so I just thought I would always do it at night you know when they're calmer and I thought I'll, I'll take care of this because we kept getting stung going in and out of the cabin hmm. and so one night I go up there and I'm just like you know what I'm just gonna I'll just knock that thing off there mm-hmm. and it's, and it's dark. So they're not going to like be able to do, they'll be all disoriented and stuff. And then I'll just get rid of it. I'll like get a shovel and toss it in the woods. And you, you probably know how that yeah, went. Right. So I go up there in the in, in the dark and, uh, I like with like a long handle shovel, I just knock the hornet's nest off there mm-hmm. and basically just get it, you know, attacked and overwhelmed. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that was, and I, you know, I'm running, I run out into the road and I got them all over me and, you know, I'm brushing them off, brushing them off and they chase me, you know, I don't know how far I'm running down the road and they chase me, you know, probably three quarters of a mile down the road and they're still, and you know, I'm losing to some here and there, but they're still finding me and stinging me because I, I don't know the science behind it, but I think they mark you with like a pheromone or something. Okay. So they, they can find you, you know? So, you know, three quarters and, uh, and Beth and Bronco, they were standing back. Maybe I was like, stand back a little bit. They're getting chased too, oh, you know? Shit. So they're running with me down the road. It's a, it's a, it's a terrifying thing for all of us. Yeah. And, uh, so we were down the road. We finally, you know, get them all off and we're mm-hmm. like, okay, we need a new approach and we got to like have a plan cause we got to go back there. Now they're all just riled up. And, uh, so like, we got to have a plan. We'll go back there and try something new. Uh, so anyhow, we go back, they, it's dark. So they, a bunch of them are, uh, knocked to the ground and they're kind of just crawling around. And, but there's still like, I don't know, there's probably a hundred or more of them still in the hive that's mm-hmm. on the ground. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, uh, I tried some different things. I, you know, put on all my thickest winter gear and like covered my head, basically tried to make like a bee suit for myself. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up doing was spraying them with a fire extinguisher and that really calmed them down quite yep. a bit, okay. you know? And then I, t- and I, I, was able to uh, pick up the, the hive and the nest and I took it way back in the woods. Um, and then I put a, there was some left up on, in that light and I wrapped it in a, plastic bag. And I was like, I'm not opening that thing to like January right, right. when I know they're, you know, they're not going to be so riled up. But yeah, that was, I got to say that, that really threw me. Yeah, And that was like a scare, and I thought that was kind of the first big challenge. And it, I, it sounds silly for people that know all about that, but it was, it was new to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you haven't been just attacked by a whole swarm of hornets <laughs> i'm telling you it is <laughs> it's the real deal like it really is is pretty terrible because they're just all over you and they hurt you know mm-hmm. and uh it's scary because you can't get away from them but anyhow i had that was like things were going so great and then like that was kind of one of the first moments where it's like i started having my doubts i was like maybe we're in yeah a little bit over our head here you know right like some hornets really threw me through a loop I don't you know so but uh, let me ask how many yeah. times did you get stung would you just rough <sighs> guess I don't know maybe at least like 10 or 15 times I okay. gotta think you know so it wasn't like so bad where I'm just covered in them yeah covered in the bites but I mean it's bad enough where they got me quite a few times yeah uh, Beth and Bronco as well same thing they didn't get it as bad as me, but okay. they got both got stung. Okay. At least a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Bronco doesn't like it. Like, that's not a good way to convince your family that this is like a good place. Like, right. we got a good home here and this is a safe place to live, you know? Right, yeah. So I yeah, that was that was a tough experience. Um and we were we were kind of paranoid. I got to say, Logan, when we first started out because, um, wolves are, we're very like, we don't have any wolf experience, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been around some black bears before and things like that. But, uh, wolves are, were totally new to us, you know, and we would hear them at night. And, uh, that, that really, uh, was kind of made us worry a little bit too. Um, but we haven't had a ton of problems with them. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that's good, but yeah, we didn't know what to think about the wolves, right? Um at first. So that was that was scary. We kind of felt like we were out of our league a little bit with that. Yep. Um and then you know, in October, it really starts to rain sometimes around here. Mhm. And uh so I felt like uh going in and and I think that October we actually got a lot of snow. Okay. So I remember going from like September was just real beautiful weather, and it kind of gave me the feeling like I got time to get ready for winter, yeah, I got a little time here and t- and then October rolled around our first October, and we started just getting a ton of snow and it was that wet, heavy snow and I thought, man, like I still have a, a long way to go, getting wood you know put away for the winter. all this stuff is brand new to me, mm-hmm. and i'm I'm apprehensive because in Nebraska we get probably like 40 inches is a big winter of Mm -hmm. snow and it's like people warm they're saying you know we might get 200 inches we might get 300 inches maybe 350 even you know Mm -hmm. and I thought man I don't even know what that looks like or what that's like you know so I'm nervous about you know just being you know getting snowed in like how do we how do we manage all this stuff managing the firewood And you saw the cabin and it had, I mean, it had holes in it and it needed a lot of work to get it ready for that first winter if we were going to live there. Yeah. Um, So that was another challenge was just getting ready um, for that first winter. And uh, so, yeah, I'd say if there, if like we were talking about earlier, that balance between like too easy and too hard, Mm -hmm. that was the needle was going a little bit towards too hard, I think at that point. Okay. Yeah. And it was, and a lot of that is just your perception of the situation. For sure. We were fine and kind of over over-prepa- prepared, over prepared. But, um, it, I think that's, that's something too, is like you're, there's that famous saying, I, I don't know who said it, but the only thing we have to fear is fear itself mm-hmm. Sometimes you know, and I think that's so true Right, because the fear, the anxiety of something you're, that you're worried about is so oftentimes worse than the actual experience of what you're about to, uh, that you're, that you're worried about experiencing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So the, I'm curious put myself in your shoes and you're going through a lot of those struggles Yeah, for sure. You're going through struggles mentally, but that's really got to put a test on, on family, right? There's gotta be some frustrating moments where you're nothing personal against each other, but you're just frustrated with the moment and, and it, it, tests all of your patients, right?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we all, we all were there, um, as anybody, you don't have to live off the grid to feel like that for right. sure. You know, <laughs> for sure. like anybody that's got a family, I'm sure you feel like that. Like, so, uh, but yeah, stress levels at times were high for all of us because yeah. it's, it was such a new way of life and a new experience for us. Um, but I think it brought us closer too. Mm -hmm. you know, I think, um, I think in the long run, it's been, it's been positive more than negative and brought us closer, but yeah, I mean, there were, there were tensions run high, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I suppose, uh, yeah, you know, doing that kind of life is the more you get it, the the more modern things you get rid of, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we're, I mean, we, we are not the ultimate, uh, you know, off grid homesteading people by any means. We're like, I'm like, I'm saying we're, we're really still learning. Right. But my experience has been the more, uh, I guess you want to say modern things you get rid of. It just adds time to your day of doing that process mm-hmm. so whatever that modern convenience you got rid of and you and you see why things um became so popular mm-hmm. like dishwashers washer machines um all the things automated uh heat you know mm-hmm. uh, climate control just all our things make life easier for us right um so we were trying to do without those things and the more you get into it the more things you you strip away you realize the the balance is how you pay for it is uh your time Mm -hmm. it everything takes longer when you remove that modern mechanical advantage you know right so um that's kind of an obvious statement but experiencing it you realize um you realize how technology has shaped society more. I think is is what I realized. Mm-hmm. Um, sure.
0: I'm curious, or we should just set the scene. So the the cabin that you bought, what's the square footage or dimensions? I mean, it's it's fairly small, right? What's the yeah? If it, you'd give me a rough estimate of of dimensions,
1: I want to say I think it's f- like 14 by 14 or something like that. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So I mean, it's a small one room log cabin. Yep. N- no power there's Uh, yeah we have no electricity there
0: right you've got a now since then you've got a a well a hand pump well that you use for your water right
1: yep we had a hand pump well drilled um and that has been great for us Mm -hmm. we've never had any trouble with the well even in the coldest days of the winter um still pumps water but yeah it's a hand pump well so um you just crank it up and down with you know uh with a pumping motion and uh we just pump it all into buckets Mm -hmm. so any water you need for whatever you need it has to come out of the well
0: right and a sauna was there and that's something you guys have gotten into right
1: yeah we love the sauna and had never really thought about it the practicality of a sauna before to us it was just kind of like maybe like a health club would have one Mm -hmm. but you realize it's such a it's so practical and necessary in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. And you see, uh, why, um, people love them and, and have used them for so many years, you know? Right. Right. And it's, it's such a, I think it's such a neat part of the culture from Finland Yeah, that I just see, like, it's such an enjoyable thing, especially when it's cold. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I've, I've thought about that, that you guys didn't realize you're hopping into a, almost a, you're going back in time about a hundred years to what, a early Finland, uh, somebody that would have settled here, that what they would have experienced, but you're really diving headfirst into it. You're dealing with the snow. You've got a sauna as part of it. It's you're, you're, you're kind of embracing this local culture to the, to the maximum degree that you can.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that's been another thing that we love about up here is the people with, uh, background from finland we just it's so awesome how you guys have held on to your culture Mm -hmm. because so many other cultures around america have just kind of melded into whatever is the standard american culture and i just think it's been cool to see people up here hold on to their roots better and hold on to their culture better than mm-hmm. I've seen anywhere else. Right. And I, I appreciate that, you know.
0: Yeah. I think that's, uh, I wonder what that stems from. It's a little bit of pride, but it's also, you're probably a little bit familiar with the history. Early 1900s, this was a huge copper mining town, a booming, booming area. A lot of immigrants came over and worked in the mines, which there's different communities, but a heavy Finnish presence uh, eventually a lot of them became farmers, homesteaders, and and the mines went downhill and it was tough, just like most of the country. Right. But I mean, just super low, very low income, great depression type stuff. So they came from that culture where they had nothing and they had to work and scrap and fight for everything. If the only thing that you have that you can hang on to is your culture, that just stays with you. You know, you don't have anything else to, to bring you through, you know? And it's, uh, the, with that comes, uh, and again, every culture, every, every heritage has got to have a lot of pride but with that comes the word have you heard the word sisu i have yeah. we we
1: we had to ask i saw the lots of bumper stickers and, and and had seen it written in different places and we had to ask somebody what does that mean yeah what were you told we were told it's like finished strength right. and like uh perseverance and overcoming um that's kind of how it was explained to me mm-hmm.
0: do you feel like that Resonates with you again. What you're going through, that perseverance side of things.
1: Definitely. It's just. It's not for. Uh, it's just not for the timid to live, uh, up here at all. Right. It just really isn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the uh, the winter time is something is something special up here. It really like the amount of snow, and the cold is, I mean, it's, it's very, it's a factor. You mm-hmm. just can't, you you can't escape it, but it, it's a very serious factor, right. you know, it's it really is something and it demands respect, you know, and, you know, persevering through that is, uh, it's not easy, you know, and I, like my, I can't tell you how much respect I have for the people that did that up here Uh, years ago unbelievable because i'm experiencing to some degree Mm -hmm. i get a good idea you know like living the way i live but i have a four-wheel drive truck Yep. you know i have we have we have modern things we can call for help you know if something uh, we do we have our phones we have you know um, lights on demand with with, uh batteries you know so we get a taste of it but it just has given me just tremendous respect for the people that homesteaded anywhere, but especially here because of how tough it would have been.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's dive back into that first winter. Okay. What was that like? The progression? I mean, you've, you had to have ups and
1: downs and you had to have some tough moments,
0: but what was that like?
1: Well, um, it was, we were a little bit lucky. It was a relatively mild winter last year. It was. Yeah. Um, so not a ton of, we, we had a little cold snap in probably around this time last year, it seems like. But other than that, um, we didn't get a ton of snow. We didn't get a ton of like consistently cold days. So it was still really challenging to deal with the snow we got. I don't know what we ended up last year, but I think under 200 inches. Yeah. But still to us, it was more snow than I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. You know? And, so just, just dealing with that, um, uh, we're still learning, but, um, uh, we, we got a, uh, we got a, a good snowblower, but my goal was to try to use it as sparingly as possible. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to have it as like an emergency back. Like if we get a, you know, get a over a foot and I can't get it with the scooper, have a, have a blower. But for the most part, we, we did it with the youper scooper mm-hmm. and, uh, um, those are, those are a real incredible invention, a simple design, but so effective and ha- also had never seen one of those. Right. Um, but we tried to do as much of our own snow removal as we could, you know, by hand. Um, so that was, that takes time. Yeah. You know, clearing your lane um, takes time doing it that way. And it may not be a big deal that day, but it's incredible when you think about how much time up here goes to dealing with snow, mm-hmm. you know, like it's really significant. Absolutely. For, even for, even if you have the best plow on your truck, you know, or on, or, a uh, you know, a blower on your tractor. Right. It still takes your time, you know? So, um, that's just such a, a big factor. Um, and then we did, so that first winter we had a propane heater that was set on a thermostat. Okay. But we, again, we tried to do as much wood burning as we could. So we set it real low just as kind of to catch it, you know, maybe in the middle of the night or if we were gone for a little while before it got too cold. Um, But that first winter we tried to burn as much uh, wood in our wood stove as we could. We do all our cooking on wood. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a huge learning curve um, when we, I, I never really had grown up burning much firewood. Right. Yeah. Especially inside. And so there's a, there's a lot to know about that, you know, um, getting a sense for what size do you want it split at? Like, you know, um, be able to get it started in a reasonable amount of time, you know, if you really rely on the fire. Mm hmm. For the cooking stove and the heat, and then getting things going in the sauna, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, just a huge learning curve of trial and error of uh, best ways to just quickly start a fire, what to have on hand to get a fire going, and then you kind of we I, you kind of just develop your routine of dealing with firewood. Yeah. You know, which was all new to me.
0: For sure. So then you, now you're in your second winter, which we are getting a lot more snow now, but what was that spring and summer? Like, was that like a awesome experience that I'm saying like this just past spring and summer, you made it through your first winter. Now you get to experience the, again, partially what a lot of people enjoy the UP for. They certainly enjoy the winter as well, but anyways, what was that first spring and summer like then?
1: Oh yeah. Um, maple syrup. We got into uh, trying to make our own maple syrup and some neighbors helped us out. Yeah. And, uh, so that was cool as we were coming out of winter, we were working on maple syrup Hmm. and, uh, Bronco, my son really got a kick out of that. But again, I want to say I had no idea how much work goes in the whole process that goes into maple syrup. Yeah, And the, uh, the amount of sap you collect to the ratio of that to how much syrup you end up with is crazy i don't know i want to say you know maybe if you're lucky it's like 20 to 1 Mm -hmm. 30 to 1 but you know some people the trees are tapping like maybe it's like 40 to 1 so like next time you get some maple syrup i would just i mean i I, when i look at it in the store now i'm just like that little bottle i understand why it's so expensive now right you know like it's just the amount of work that goes into it is incredible for real maple syrup you know right not the not the corn syrup stuff yeah um so that was that was a cool experience our neighbors taught us how that whole process works um and then when the snow melted and the spring that was just that was so nice because it was a sense of accomplishment like we made it through a winter we can do this mm-hmm. you know and then uh just getting right into planting a garden um you know uh getting new chickens and um just going from there and just getting into all the things that, that springtime brings when you're trying to do like, you know, uh, farming homesteading kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the spring was awesome. Um, so such a relief and, and just so nice. Um, and then mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, it wasn't a surprise cause people told us, you know, people warned us about everything, mm-hmm. but, uh i mean the mosquitoes are pretty incredible yep. at t- you know in uh like in june they're 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 pretty incredible so kind of just transitioning from another maybe you want to call it like another nice little honeymoon period where uh weather was nice you know things were going along pretty smoothly and then all of a sudden and you know what it's like but the mosquitoes are there and so I mean they're they're a factor if you're outside for mm-hmm. a good at least a month and a half, two months in the early summer, you know. And uh so just learning to deal with the you know, I, I just went to wearing a sweatshirt and uh head net mm-hmm. pretty much all the time if I'm working outside. Yeah. Because they get they get so bad, you know? And uh I know a lot of people swear by the spray and I tried that, but and it worked for a while, but eventually you know, it was wearing off. So I was just going with the head net. Um Beth had, we all had our Bronco. We all had our own like specific gear that we found that worked, mm-hmm. but even gloves on, you know, so they can't get your hands. But yeah, again, if there are people listening that aren't from around here or up north, I mean, the mosquitoes are something else too. Absolutely, You know? Yeah. Um And they, they can overwhelm you for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm curious the, you you mentioned like a honeymoon phases, whatever else. Yeah. Do you think that the way you're living, and I want to get into some food stuff too here in a little bit, but the way you're living, the sustainability, but you're also very connected to the to your property and the weather or whatever else. Yeah. Is that make you really appreciate the the calm and the clear and the sunny days more compared to if you were living in a more of a modern setting?
1: Absolutely. Because it it, it absolutely does, Logan. Because and I never will ever take for granted a nice day again, you know, yep. anytime we get a night, even, even those nice days in the wintertime are so awesome, you know, where you just get, you know, high twenties, low, low thirties and the sun's out. That's just like a blessing, you know, and those times, you know, that when you get into, start getting into some nice, cool, uh, weather in May, um, April in the spring, With no mosquitoes, it's like you realize how much you want to take advantage of that time because when you've got to have your mosquito gear on just to do whatever you got to do outside, that's one extra thing. That's one extra thing on you, you know. Mm -hmm. So you appreciate when, uh, I, I do, I appreciate when that extra step, that extra challenge, you appreciate when it's not there, you know. yeah just just things are a lot easier and simpler
0: yeah no I think it's neat that you 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 have a better appreciation for yeah the rain and the sun and you can't have one without the other but one having the the more difficult moments makes those better moments a, a lot higher and you feel it a lot more for sure but I'm curious too and I should have my uh My brother and sister-in-law, brother-in-law and sister-in-law would be pumped to talk to you guys about food and sustainability and stuff because they love every bit of that. But I'm curious, the food, like you got chickens, you've got a garden. You've talked about pigs, right? Is that something you're considering?
1: We've talked about it. We've never uh, raised pigs before, but it just, I'm very interested in it. I'm I'm interested in a lot of different animals. Um, I think pigs would be a good way to go. Yeah. Um, I suppose you know talking about raising our own food um we we really lean heavy on the chickens mm-hmm. um really lean heavy on those on those eggs and um uh, from time to time uh meat um and uh eating out of the garden yeah is really big for us and uh small garden last year but i, I just want to work my way up you know to as big as i can manage mm-hmm. so i guess one of the questions that i've got is for sure the food
0: is part of the sustainability portion but is there also an element of you like to know where your food comes from like is that part of it too
1: that's a huge part of it um i'm kind of a health nut okay and uh i think eating healthy food i just i feel a lot better you know and you start to realize uh buying healthy food is expensive oh yeah If you, if you go out there and it, I mean, it doesn't have to be, uh, doesn't have to break the bank terribly, but if you're looking for some of the better food out there, it could, it could be expensive. And so that, that was, that's another reason that kind of led me into this is I just wanted to know, I love, you know, I love eggs and chicken and you, you see some of these factory farms, how they really run Mm -hmm. and I'm not here to judge anybody. Sure. Yeah. But just to me, I felt like that's not the way I want, that I want my, that's not where I want my food to come from. Right. Yeah. I I want them to come from somewhere where like, like you wouldn't necessarily want to take your kids to some of these places, some of these factory farms and Mm -hmm. show them because the animals just aren't doing very well there, you know? Right. But you'd love to take your kid and show them where they come from when the animals, you know, are are, uh, happy and healthy and, you know, have a little room to walk around and stuff and say you know this this is where food can come from it doesn't have to come they don't have to all be in cages their whole life you know and right so that's that's kind of what i felt um so yeah i i wanted to know where my food comes from and just from the animal perspective that they're, they're living a good life even if you're going to eat them at the end mm-hmm. you know but i i think there's really something in that to honor an animal even if ultimately it's you're going to eat it, eat right. it at the end of the day you know Yeah, for sure. Is it rewarding to sit down and
0: eat dinner and you're like, Hey, we grew these vegetables. We grew this chicken. We made, we grew these eggs, whatever else. Is that, is that neat?
1: It is. Yeah. It feels good. Yeah. And, uh, there's a sense of, um, accomplishment that goes with it and it's a good feeling. Anybody Mm -hmm. that's done any of that stuff from just your backyard chickens to your backyard garden. I mean, it, it just feels good or just go out and forage for your own food, pick berries. Um, yeah, there's something special about getting your own food somehow. Hunting. I know you're you're really into hunting, and mm-hmm. that's a huge part of that too. You know, right? That that meat that you can get. I mean, does it get any better than uh than venison that you got yourself? Yeah, I don't I don't think it does. You know, I mean, that's such a quality meat that you it'd be tough to find something that good in a store. I feel like you know, mm-hmm. you've dabbled some. Uh-
0: before you even moved up here you did a little bit of hunting right and also right. some up here as well yeah has that been fun up here have you
1: it has been fun uh i haven't been very successful yet okay but um we've we have not even gotten a deer since we've been up here yet and uh, part of it is i really had i really had this plan that I wanted to become like a really good re- recurve bow hunter, mm-hmm. but it's challenging. Oh yeah. You know, so I'm just not good enough yet. Right. Um, with my recurve bow, but I'm, I'm getting better. Um, and, but we're doing pretty good with, you know, some small games some rabbits and birds and stuff like that. So it's coming along, but that's kind of where, where I'm at right now is just still like really trying to, to come along with my recurve skills mm-hmm. and just where, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this as a, as a hunter, but I don't want to take a shot that I feel like I'm not going to kill the deer, you know, right. like I don't want to, and I feel like that's kind of where I'm at right now with my skills with, with, the recurve bow is like, I might just wound a deer, you know? Right. Right. And I, and I that's, I think lots of hunters, however you do it, you don't want to, that's a bad feeling, you no, know? Absolutely. For
0: sure. Yeah. No, not a good feeling at all. Um, yeah. And and recurve's tough. You talked to a lot of guys. I just talked to one recently. He's into it as well. And yeah, you have to shoot so consistently to have any form of proficiency for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know it's neat to see, I mean, early on when, when you and I and and Beth talked about you guys moving up here, that's something we talked about was hunting and stuff. So it's neat to, neat to see you diving into that. Um, turkey hunting could be another thing you could, you could dive into ice fishing. You fished with your neighbor some, have you ice fished at all up here yet?
1: I have not been out ice fishing yet. Okay. And I've had a couple invitations and I've had to turn them down because I had stuff going on. Yeah. But, uh, I want to get into that. Um, my neighbor is catching a ton of fish out of the ice right now. Yeah. And it seems really fun and he's bringing home a ton of meat, you know, And, and canning it and stuff, which, you know that's what i'm trying to do that's exactly the stuff i'm trying to do so i got it that's another skill i got to add to the to the collection you know i gotta yeah. i gotta figure out ice fishing um yeah i think you'd enjoy it bronco would love it too yeah yeah it's
0: fun I, I don't make it out much just excuses but family and work and whatever else and right but my brother my bro one brother specifically and other brothers as well they go out so much right uh and they, they really enjoy it and they're very good at it for sure. Get a lot of fish, got a lot of good meat from it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think hunting and fishing is one of those things where you have to put in the time Yep. to be successful. For sure. You know, you might get lucky, you might just get lucky one day, but to be consistently successful, I think, and just to learn the skills you have to put in the time Yeah, is what I'm just my, you know, uh, view on it so far. Right. As, as kind of a novice in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to dive back. So you made it through. You had an enjoyable
0: summer. You had some mosquitoes. Of course, you had an awesome fall. Yeah. Did you go into this winter feeling way
1: more confident than the previous winter? We did. We were maybe a little overconfident, Okay. I would say. Yeah. Because, as you know, this winter has been a harder winter than last one, for sure, yeah. with the snow and the cold. And uh, so this winter, um, I wanted to try to cut all my, make up my own firewood. Okay. Um, and so what I ended up doing was, you know, cutting a lot of dead standing maples down. Mm-hmm. Um, they were pretty much ready to go, ready to burn already. And, um, I got us to a point where I felt like we'd be good. And then I, and we were going to try to lean on the propane a little bit more this winter. Uh, we were both going to be working. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going to be at the homestead all day, um, so we're talking about let's just lean on the propane a little bit more this winter. We won't need as much firewood. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was uh, we basically our propane heater was leaking, okay. and we we had uh we had lots of guys come check it out. And it's basically, it's a, I think basically at the end of the day, it's a defective unit that just needs to be replaced. But due to the COVID shortages, we can't get this, this, uh, style of propane heater that we need to, these, uh, wall vented propane heaters, um, that we need to get. So basically we were just put in a spot where we had to rely all on our wood, um, which we weren't really planning on. We were just, you know, we were planning on leaning on the propane a little bit more than we did last winter. So that combined with just it was colder. This it's been consistently mm-hmm. colder. Um, so we went through a lot more firewood than we were planning to go through, and um, some of our neighbors uh, brought us some fire lo- firewood loads over to kind of give us a little breathing room, which was so nice. I mean, it was gonna it was gonna get close, like getting down into probably. I, I was looking at it and I, and I thought. I don't know it might get kind of close we get to the end of february into march it can, it's it's going to be getting pretty low in march mm-hmm. you know and uh so we had some neighbors that just they said you guys have to burn burning a ton of wood right now um they brought us a truckload over and it just gave us some breathing room hmm. so i mean the kindness of your neighbors is another thing that we found up here is yeah. just on another level i've never experienced Like people really take care of each other up here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's been really, uh, it's been neat. We have great neighbors.
0: Yeah. Again, I think that kind of fits into the, the difficulty of the winters and that you almost have to, like as a community, you have to like band together and say, we're going to figure this out. Yeah. 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 No, it's awesome. The... So you, you you burned a lot more wood than you anticipated. Any other challenges that you faced this winter? Of course, we got a lot more snow, so you're dealing with a lot more snow removal.
1: Dealing with a lot more snow, um, you know, just we we like to we like to snowshoe around back in our property, and uh, so kind of a, a process. This winter was we were really trying to stretch our firewood when the especially when the propane uh, we, we we couldn't count on it really, so. Um, I had a stack of, uh, firewood, but it was that we had a couple, uh, deer stands and I stacked up a bunch of firewood back at the back of the property. The cabin's pretty much all the way at the front of the property. Mm -hmm. Um, so we spent a lot of time snowshoeing back there and sledding back firewood, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot of fun to some people, but I gotta say we really enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, It's been a a good way to just spend time together, get a little exercise, and you know how important it is just to like to be outside in the winter, just to get some sun on you. And uh, so, you know, things like that. At first, the propane heater not working was, I mean, it kind of gives you a little anxiety, like we're really gonna have to lean on the wood, right? But then you realize it's it's kind of a blessing in disguise because if if it didn't force you to do it. We, the propane is easier, right? You know, it's just, but if we, if we had that, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of going back to maybe if we had more money back in the day, we wouldn't have figured out, started figuring out how to try to live this way. Mm -hmm. Now that we can't rely on the propane, we become more proficient with our, with our wood, you know? Right. And it kind of, it, and really that's the direction we're trying to go, you know? Yeah. Um, so Trying to look at things like that in a positive light is, helps me, you know. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people find that, but I really do look at it as at the end of the day, we got it was fun going back in the woods on snowshoes, getting all this firewood, bringing it back, you know, spending that time together. Um, so I don't know, th- even things like that, when things break it could be an opportunity, you know. I try mm-hmm. to look at it that way. At least for myself so I stay positive, you know. For sure. So
0: yeah. I'm curious I picture Bronco, kids are resilient. Yeah. Feels like they're adaptable. I, I I picture that he's takes this full steam ahead no problem. Um maybe there's difficult moments, but I'm just picturing kids being pretty resilient. But how about for you and Beth? Of course you got struggles, but has it
1: changed do you think it's changed you guys? Well, I mean, it's I don't think it's changed us. Uh, I think we're still the same people we were before. Okay. I think we just have more, just more of these life experiences now, you know, more of just, I guess at the end of the day, just more of uh, this isn't the end of the world or this isn't the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, we can take things with a grain of salt a little bit better now, I guess. Okay. Okay. Um, but I think, uh, we certainly appreciate just simple things more like, uh, when we, we really appreciate, uh, I, I like all the, uh, the luxuries of modern life. So I appreciate them so much more now when I do experience them. Mm -hmm. And I think there's value to that. And I, and I wouldn't try to convince anybody to try to live like me. Right. Because I mean, it's, you know, Logan, what I kind of think of it is it's like, Imagine like you took a Spanish class in high school. How good is your Spanish going to be compared to somebody who was just dropped into a Spanish speaking country? Right. Or any language, you right. know, but like you you can't learn really learn skills the same way unless you're forced to use them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an analogy I always think of is like you can do this stuff kind of on the side. Um, but until you're forced to rely on it, then your skills really start to progress we still have a long way to go with it but i think just the fact that we were forced to um just figure this stuff out figure out how to live um this way you get better at it um because you don't have a choice you got to figure it out if that's the choice you made to live you know so it's yeah it's 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 been a it's been an interesting experience ups mm-hmm. and downs for sure right
0: i want to ask you Let's close this out. I got two questions, yeah, and you hinted at one just a second ago. First, I was gonna ask you, would you recommend this for somebody else? You said no, but I'm if you maybe have you elaborate on that or maybe recommend small portions of it or challenge somebody to say, "Hey, see what you can do to you know push towards less convenience and a little bit more of a struggle, but anyways, expand on that if you don't mind,
1: sure, I guess you know, I think you'll learn, I think anybody would learn a lot about themselves from trying this stuff, but you could learn a lot about yourself from many endeavors in life. You Mm -hmm. know, this isn't just the only way to go, but I think if people out there are interested in doing this kind of stuff, it is good to start small at first Mm -hmm. and then see where you want to go from there. And I think inevitably, inevitably, uh, when you, when you get into this kind of stuff, Whatever you want to call, it, like homesteading or off grid living, whatever you want to call it, you are gonna bite off more than you can chew at some point. Mm-hmm. I think it's just human nature. Um, so I would just say, just be careful of that because that's when I that, that's those are the hardest times when you're overwhelmed, you bit off more than you can handle. I would say just kind of work your way into it if you want to get into it with little steps, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, but one portion of that that I think is kind of neat and it kind of fits the obsessed or the extreme. Mindset, it's almost like you have to be all in for you to make it happen. That if you knew all these hurdles that you're going to have to overcome, you'd be like, Yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Do you think that's potentially true? Yeah, I do. I think,
1: uh, I definitely do. I think if, if I could just, if somebody could have laid out all these things I've got, I would go through beforehand, I probably would have thought twice. Yeah. You know, but I'm better off for having had those experiences, I think. Um, but yeah, you have to be a little bit, you have to be a little bit obsessed, I guess, to, to want to do this, Mm -hmm. um, because I mean, it can, it it can overwhelm you, you know, it it really can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I don't know, it's along with all that struggle and everything we're talking about there, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I have fun doing it and I think a lot of I think a lot of people would have a lot of fun doing this stuff. Doing it to to the level, you know, to this level, it does take a little bit of obsession and you have to be a little bit I don't know, some people would call me crazy. Mm-hmm. They would. Yeah. But uh yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think a lot of people maybe maybe there's people out there that would be surprised how much they would like it yeah and there's probably people that think they would enjoy it and and really wouldn't yeah so i don't know i i suppose i anybody listening i would say if this is the stuff you're into yeah you know try it but just go in buyer beware you know mm-hmm. it's just it's it's not easy and um but it is a lot of fun so yeah no i
0: know what you're saying you're saying it's been great for us. We've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it is extreme. A lot of people that would attempt this, you'd recommend them not, just because they may not realize what it all entails. But if you realize what it entails and you're excited about it, by all means, like it's a it's a valuable journey. It is. Yeah. Um. So the last question I've got is, what's next? What's your next big goals? Any thoughts of building your own log cabin or something like that, or what? What's next on the yeah on the on the horizon?
1: Uh, well, I'd love to. I've got just all kinds of projects always going. Um, fencing is a big thing for our animals. Um, we're down the road. I'd love to have um, some dairy goats mm-hmm. and some fiber goats. Okay. Uh, and so all the things that go with those, uh, I want to build a little barn um, out of, I'd like to just use all the wood, my own wood um, from, from our place, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm still learning those skills. So that's coming up on the horizon is, just i built a few little structures you know out of rough lumber here and there but i'm just i'm kind of getting better with my skills on that stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah a little barn some goats better fencing um i guess the ultimate goal for me at this point if we can just feed ourselves Mm -hmm. with quality food and we're not really suffering for food or having to buy much food I'd really consider that a big success, Yeah, you know, and I'm, we got a ways to go, but we're doing, we're doing pretty well. Um, we're, we're coming along, but, uh, yeah, I'd say goats, maybe some turkeys, meat birds. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, we'll close it out. I think it's just a, uh, it's an honorable thing. I think it's neat to, neat to see you pursue that. And I think other people will appreciate Your story, because again, most of us, and I'm sure even you guys do, to some extent, we're just so connected to all the conveniences and and phones and and work and emails and and this and that of, of putting time and some energy into what's around us. I think you just gain a lot of, you gain a lot of insight and you have a lot of neat moments that you wouldn't have if you didn't look up and see what's around you. For sure. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but awesome. Thanks, Casey. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, this has
1: been fun. Thanks a lot, Logan. Yeah,
0: appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.